Welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I forgot where we were for a minute there. <laughs> I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today are my co-hosts, Janelle Wheeler. Hey, guys. Matthew Aguilar. Ah, there you go. There it is. Yay. And we brought in another comic book all-star who mostly specializes in our uh, DC TV side. Jenna Anderson is here with us today. Hi, guys. I'm very happy to be here. We're happy to have you, especially today on today's show, because uh, we're going to get into some deep DC talk, which is like your, I mean, your expertise is really everything, but we got to keep it simple for the audience. So we always just boil you guys down to like one expertise. <laughs> so DC stuff is uh, your beat, Jenna. And uh, we're yes. here to talk about Birds of Prey. We did a review last show uh, with BD and Ben Kendrick, who joined us from Screen Ramp. But like we said, we wanted to give you guys the weekend to see the movie so we could come back and talk full spoilers. Not a lot of you listened to that recommendation and went out and saw Birds of Prey, but we're still going to talk about it because some uh, other things have occurred with the movie. There is some controversy to discuss and some uh, developments that are actually still happening with this movie. So we're going to get into all of that. We're also going to recap the 2020 Oscars, at least the parts that are relevant and interesting to us. We're going to leave all that other stuff. And we're going to talk about Sony's new mysterious Marvel movie. Plus, Matt is going to run down new comics of the week because Matt is back. And uh, we need to get you guys back up on your comic sales. Yeah. So we're going to do all of that. Jumping into our new segment. Like I said, Sony is out there. And uh, in addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the only other action out there is... Uh, Sony's universe of Marvel characters, which I still hate as a name, yeah, but uh, basically it's like a Spider-Man universe. Is that the official name? Yeah, Sony's wow. universe yes. of Marvel characters. Correct. Wonderful. It sounds like the worst community college ever when you abbreviate it. It's just yes. like S-U-M-C. It's like, okay. Yes. It, it feels like one of those early 2000s shirts that like remixes the word schmuck or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Like cool lettering. <laughs> um, so there's still developments going on. We got Venom 2, Morbius, both coming out this year. But we've been all wondering like what the larger future is for Sony's thing. We've got Sinister Six kind of teases and buildups. But there's been a mysterious kind of Marvel Sony movie put on the schedule for 2021. Nobody knows what it is yet, but there is kind of a working theory that people are getting jazzed about, which is that this could be a Craven the Hunter movie, which is something we've heard would be in the works over at Sony as a Spider-Man spinoff. And this looks like it could possibly, potentially be it, which I think we've talked about this before on the show. We've done so many episodes. 105, right? 105 yeah. plus wow. some bonus ones, wow. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't remember what I've said to you, too. I, I listen to <laughs> a, a lot of harsh things. Well, my that. question is, so... <laughs> <laughs> but you say good stuff, too. I try not to, but... But I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, my question is, okay, so they're saying that this is obviously going to be part of the, the Spideyverse. What would that look like? Would the villain be the main character, or how is that going to work in the same... Because there's Venom coming out, which a lot of people are like, oh, this is just a teaser for Venom, which we're finding out is not, right? Venom 2. Like, what is it going to look like with this as the villain? And is he going to be the lead of the movie? Or? I mean, I think that's what's been kind of floated, is how this guy becomes big game hunter to, like, crazy hunting across the world and takes on this big game in Spider-Man, mm. which there is room to get like a weird two-part movie where you learn about Craven and who he is or okay. what he does out on some hunt. 
And then it kind of veers into a Spider-Man urban hunt type deal. There are a lot of famous stories that have been written. Todd McFarlane's uh, beginning of the Spider-Man series, like the first five issues back in the 90s. I forget what that was called. Like, uh, was that called The Hunt or something? Like, I forget. What so Craven's Last Hunt. Craven's Last Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is the most well-known, though he recently came back and yeah. they did a hunted like I think the coolest thing about or the thing that I feel like Sony kind of backed themselves into like accidentally lucked into was that out of aside from Batman Spider-Man probably has the best rogues gallery yeah. and most well-known yes. rogues gallery out there so if you're gonna do this this is the character to do it because I mean there's enough out there of you know I mean look what they did with Vulture just in like half a movie right because he's only really in like half yeah. the movie look what they did with vulture craven yeah. i mean you're gonna get carnage kind of with venom so like those are kind of off to the side but even people like scorpion and rhino and like and and you know i'm just gonna throw this out there spinoff <laughs> <laughs> the spinoff could be cardiac because think about it he's an anti-hero you can do like this weird like Grey's Anatomy slash superhero movie because he's a doctor. <laughs> he works in the, the medical ward in some tanks. I mean, I'm feeling this. I'm just saying yeah. like, wow, Karev is no longer on Grey's Anatomy. I'm just throwing that out there. That'd be a great cardiac. <laughs> <laughs> just, that's I'm just, great. All the pieces I'm are coming together. This. I think there are a lot of people out there that are living for this as well. That's my, that's my pick. You anyway. got it here with Matt first. <laughs> Derailed the conversation. Yeah, I you went that. into a cardiac. <laughs> but no, even, yeah, I think setting something that's like an urban jungle hunt and getting backstory of Craven at the same time would be an interesting movie. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I'm mainly bringing this up because I just like the casting that people are on the internet are throwing around to have yeah. Henry yeah. Cavill play Oh my Craven. gosh, I would be so happy. I think that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I mean, yeah. anything with him in it is great. But like, he just got the physique. Especially with that outfit. Oh, give yeah. Give him a mustache and accent. He's, yeah. like, he's ready to go. Like, yeah. So good. And he would be a compelling kind of protagonist. Jenna, what, what would you like to see? I mean, what, what is your, I know technically Marvel's not your quote-unquote expertise, but no, I'm just I, I still know my way around Marvel. Oh, I, know um, do. I don't know. I've I don't know. I've been kind of thinking like Jessica Drew would be really cool, like the Spider Woman kind of thing. Oh my god! I know. I just I just made Matt kind of go into cardiac arrest. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, like I don't know. There's so many. Like like he said, there's so many different characters kind of in the Spider Man mythos that I feel like they could really play around with. I still can't quite see Henry Cavill as Craven. That just doesn't really like. I he's too Superman to me to just really like completely separate that and so i would kind of i don't know i'd like to see like maybe an unknown like somebody who people don't necessarily know already from the superhero space possibly also i think alistair Smythe and the spider slayers would be an, an interesting one to kind of deep dive into if you could create that because then you can merge them rather easily like sony seems to be let's go villain first develop the side characters and villains and then push them into a spider-man movie right so i yes. mean if they're gonna do that then i could see a, a future spider-man movie with the spider slayers which is such a big storyline in the books or jackal is another one that they could always do so yeah interesting stuff is there any other character if you can't have this i mean is like anybody else you would rather this be for this 2021 date i mean anybody here for that silver and black movie anything else yeah i i still think silver and black is like a really interesting concept i'm kind of sad that it's gone through so many different like potential stops and starts all the way through the years because i do think like thelma and louise in the marvel universe is a really cool concept so if they went with that or like a solo movie for one of them i think that would be really cool too yeah, I, I I am also on that train. I, I'm 
when I first heard that idea, I was like, well, that's weird. And then I read the premise and went, oh, that could work. Like, that's a really fun two characters that, you know, are like, I mean, Felicia Hardy isn't pretty A-list Spider-Man character, but like Silver Sable is kind of further down the list, but she's really cool when you can use her right. Um, I love that idea. I also love the idea of them setting up the jury, uh, which is another like group that essentially like judges Peter at one point. And if you wanted to set it up like in the next not this next Marvel one, but whatever comes after that, of him being judged for all the things he has failed at through his young career. Oh gosh, you could like do that. That would be an interesting way to take it. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot. The good news is there's a lot, but I I don't see anything. I think Craven is a... No-brainer. A great, yeah. easy, isn't easy. I mean, none of these are easy to pull off, but I feel like Craven lends himself, even to his uh, dysfunctional family that is in a lot of Craven's books. You have a built-in supporting cast with him, and then you can introduce him into a Spider-Man movie later on. So Yeah, and it's really about like the writers more than anything. I mean, we all have seen some awesome ideas kind of not pan out because they didn't have great writing behind it. So okay, Christina Hodson, what's your yeah. 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 <laughs> Every movie under the sun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, that'll do it for this segment. We'll let you know. I'm sure more information is going to come to light pretty soon. So we'll tell you how happy or disappointed we are with the results as they come to light moving right along we're going to class this unclass usually unclassy podcast up and we are going to talk about the oscars which were held this past (laughs) weekend and like i said we're just going to skip through the oscars parts that are relevant to us because we're not going to waste your time because this ain't an oscars recap podcast so let's talk oscars first big thing i guess that's relevant to us and just because i put it in the sheet first is that uh (laughs) DC walked away with another Oscar. Yay! Couple Oscars under its belt for Joker. Um, Yeah, not even in visual effects or anything like this time, or makeup like Suicide Squad, but actually best actor for Joaquin Phoenix, which makes... I mean, in Hollywood, it's pretty much like people are going to be going just for Joker roles just to get these Oscars. (laughs) Yeah, right. Then, of course, for best composer for the uh, haunting music in the movie. So that was a kind of a cool thing. Um, a lot of people, <laughs> and we'll get to this, but a lot of people were pretty mad, and there's some pretty funny trolly internet videos out there right now of people freaking out, DC fans, <laughs> that Joker didn't get, not that Joker didn't win Best Picture, but that it lost to a movie that also won Best Foreign Film, Parasite, mm-hmm. and now they're feeling like Which the, Joker was got the first screwed. time that yeah. category was ever changed to Best International Film, so they're not calling it Foreign Film anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, foreign has certain connotations. I was actually yeah. joking about. Are people that. really? Oh, I was going to ask if people are really mad about. No, that. no, people are really mad about that. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. because they think that winning foreign film or international film is like a best picture Oscar in itself. Oh, um, okay. And so, therefore, it should automatically disqualify you from qualifying for best picture. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So there's so there's a lot of people who are now mad that people who won best international film and best picture but so is that would something say, clearly defined and then my other question is no. would you okay. and it's never if you never were nominated like would you not would you like not get nominated in international title and like if you got nominated for best film or best picture or whatever would you not even qualify well that's not it's not nominations category? having been in like critic circles and in and on this process it's not like a clean process right you get nominated for basically whatever you campaign and push for and have any, okay like and there's a lot of skirting of the rules, like Tom Hanks being recommended for best supporting actor in, yeah. you know, when he's clearly when he's right. Mr. Rogers in the movie. Like, oh wow, I didn't even catch that. Are that. Are played. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. So supporting actor is always a line that's kind of skirted 
between like because if they don't think say like two actresses they don't think have a chance in the same thing even if they're both leads they'll give one supporting one lead Got you, you know to play that game wow I never knew this yeah there's, there's I just a lot think of that everything's fair in the world what is wrong with like, me it makes me look at Hollywood like it's always trying to get over you would think I'd it know is. better after being on American yeah, Idol it is but that's like it's just what it is like so everything's just a campaign and lobbying and like and that's how you get an Oscar yeah it's, like, no, it's not based on just merits People don't just sit down. People don't even watch films unless somebody like lobbies them Hot to right. make them aware that this film is there yeah. for them to watch. And then there's specific times you got to do it because you don't want to do it too early that they forget, but you don't want to do it too late so that they don't, they've already made up their mind. Like there's a whole process. Oh my gosh. So, you know, I think the makers of Parasite saw the door opening in multiple places because it was getting such a huge response uh, yeah. here. It was getting such a huge response overseas. And so they just went for all the markets and flooded the market and came away big. Good for them. Um, they didn't expect that, yeah. <laughs> obviously. No. Uh, but yeah, people are mad. And so there's a lot of like Joker stands out there. They're the most angry ones. Oh, no. <laughs> I really, I don't know why so I really thought, they were, skit, I thought Joker was going to win. still one of my favorite <laughs> things. But um, yeah, they, they're mad. And there's one guy who's gone viral on the internet because he's just sitting in his room full of DC comics and stuff. And, like, he has his whole kind of DC space. And he's just like, I can't believe this. Blah, 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 blah. And he's just like losing his mind. So people were a little upset about that. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm just here more positive, I guess. I'm just happy DC movies are winning Oscars. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. Things like that. And then we can say like Oscar winning Joker and stuff like that. So I'm not too mad. Moving on. Uh, Marvel's Taika Waititi is coming back. He's got hey. some new leverage for that Marvel Thor Love and Thunder director's chair. Oh, that's awesome. Oscar winner Taika Waititi now. Um, he won for best adapted screenplay for Jojo Rabbit, and uh, you could tell he was not because you know Taika Waititi's always prepared with a quip or some snark yeah. or anything, and this was like a rare vulnerable moment for Taika Waititi Aww. who didn't have anything to say and he couldn't figure out his words and. Cat got his tongue, except to thank his mom, of course, which is, you know, at least that's the right move. You know, if you thank God and or mom, that's a pretty safe bet for an Oscar, any kind of speech, really. So, yeah, it was kind of cute to see him be kind of flummoxed up there. Yeah. And mm -hmm. just the last shot of him walking off stage, looking like he was going to pass out. I was just like, oh, Taika. Yeah. So Oscar exciting. winner. So that's good for him to get that, especially for this movie, because um, I know he was really, if you've ever watched interviews with him about Jojo Rabbit, he was really conflicted about being an yeah. Aboriginal New Zealander playing Hitler. Um, he wanted to make sure this actually fell on the right side of the fence. So at least he got an Oscar for it. So mm -hmm. that was good. Nice for him. Uh, the other thing people were real mad about from our circle, from our geek culture circle, was the fact that 1917 <laughs> walked away with Oscars for best visual effects over Avengers Endgame and Star Wars, yeah. The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> And um, particularly the Marvel crowd is obviously really, really mad about this. I was this. taken aback by that myself. Um, because of the whole, I mean, the last fight in Avengers Endgame alone was like a big visual effects feat. Yeah. Uh, just everything in that movie. I feel like the really, entire like, movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. So that was kind of a surprise. And I'm not hating because I love 1917. Yeah. And if you've ever seen the, they do it so seamlessly in that one that you don't realize how much of that is actually CGI. Yeah. And like the night scene is like filmed during the day and all this stuff. Yeah. And wow. it's crazy. So. I get it, but like a lot of people were mad about that. I mean, Ugh. then we should just say, you guys, they win the comic book award. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they've won here. No, they really have won the Golden Issue Award. Yeah. 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 There you go. Yeah, they won our yeah. Music City. We're in Nashville. Just as good as an Oscar. Me and Charlie originally are the Mas- Nashville uh, Music City Film Critics Association, and we won that one for Best Action Movie this nice. year. So, like, Marvel's, and it's the highest grossing film of all time. So, nobody's really <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. But we do want exactly. some Oscar winning Avengers Endgame, would have been cool. It would have Yeah. For that. So, all right. Uh, we talked about Parasite, um, which. Angered a lot of people for winning Best Picture and, you know, Best Foreign Film in a Year where there was, like, Joker on the table to possibly win. But I love Parasite. I'm not hating on it. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. Okay, I haven't seen it yet, but now I'm thrilled. I can't wait. It was, like, one of the first films because, like I said, me and Charlie Ridgely are on the Music City Film Critics, so we actually have to make these end-of-year, like, lists and stuff like that. So we have to, between Thanksgiving and the end of the year, we have to watch a ton of movies. Wow. And so we, uh, like, yeah, we saw Parasite, and, and it is fantastic. Um, if you don't know what it's about, that's good. The less you know about it, going in is actually better. Just okay. go watch it. Uh, I'll tell you the theme is about class warfare and this very kind of drama thriller. I mean, it's hard to describe Parasite, which is like how this kind of actually built up because it is hard to describe. So I'd say just go watch it. But it's a, it's a great movie. It's about class warfare and the times and all Yeah, I stuff. watched a trailer and I couldn't get any information. Like, I didn't no, know they what kept was it happening. No, serious. <laughs> like, people couldn't tell if it was a horror film. Yeah. Like, people couldn't figure out what it was. But uh, it's just great. Um, and finally, I thought, you know, usually I don't like to schadenfreude if you're familiar with the ger- German term. Basically meaning laughing at another pain, another's pain. That's a little education. We try to do some of that in this podcast. We're like a PBS type <laughs> More deal. you know. Um, <laughs> so I don't like the Schadenfreude, but like uh, after all, I thought it was funny that after all the controversy about Martin Scorsese versus Marvel <laughs> and all that stuff, uh, poor Marty went home with like all those crazy nominations for the Irishman and just basically went home empty-handed. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. he did become a new meme, at least. That's at least something. Like yeah. him falling he asleep to Eminem's performance so... is my new favorite meme. <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. At least you're still with the times now. Like, also, he was a good sport during the uh, exceptional Maya Rudolph, Kristen Wiig uh, little yes. riff thing. He yes. was actually a very good sport about that because they picked on him looking directly at him. It yeah. felt like during the whole thing. He was giggling. Okay. It was good. Yeah. Was yeah. And Bob Iger was just sitting there twirling his fingers like, never speak ill of Marvel. <laughs> like, yeah. So that was, I was like, oh, Marty. All right. So that was the Oscars for us in a nutshell. Anybody else have anything? Jenna, you have anything that stuck out to you? Um, I don't know. I I completely agree with like everything that's been said so far. And yeah, I just all the memes that came out of the night were very fun. Everyone's just complete confusion when Eminem showed up was very refreshing because I was like, oh, I'm also confused. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling him before the show, I literally just, it was my son's bedtime and I walked in for 10 minutes of the bedtime ritual and that was the 10 minutes I missed was Eminem. So oh, I just wow. got the boring part of the Oscars and like not the like the most part. exciting part. Yeah. But that's my life. And uh, we'll talk about that on a more therapeutic podcast. <laughs> Moving right along. So I'm going to do a quick plug. Um, just that, uh, you know, it doesn't come up here on comic book a lot. But uh, this was this week also marked the end of Power, Star's Power, which, uh, you know, had a crazy ending. It was a whole mystery to this last season about, I'm not going to tell you what about, because if you haven't watched it or if you're just in the middle of it, you know some pretty drastic things happen. But uh, I thought it was funny because even 50 Cent is stealing a cue from Marvel. And so Power ends, and then we get this trailer that's like, next up is Power Book 2. And then that's like a continuation of the series that follows like one of the, the younger characters in the show. 
And then we get an additional trailer for Powers books three through five, which is an entire Power universe that they're building now. So Stars couldn't give up on its big bank show. Yeah, there's a whole Power universe coming out. Oh, my Lord. With like the rest of the cast, not the main stars. The two stars are like done, but the rest of the cast and a bunch of other people are now. So Stars is building an entire Power universe, which I am interested to see how this goes. That is because amazing. Power was like half step away from being uh, uh, Empire in his later seasons with some of the writing. So this is going to be crazy. But if you're a Power fan, uh, hit me up, Comic Book Nation. Let's talk about our Kofi Outlaw. Let's talk about that. Because I need people to talk to. You know, there's people here. I mean, we keep talking about The Bachelor. Yeah, yeah. He is miserable. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. what I hear about. I hear about The Bachelor all day. You watch The Bachelor. We'll, we'll watch, watch Power. Yeah, we can just talk. One of us exchange. is losing in that. Some <laughs> no. of us are winning. So only if you watch the regular shows and not Bachelor in Paradise. Except yeah. Bachelor in yes. Paradise Literally is better. You're talking like yeah. Power, something you'd have to slog through, as opposed to getting highly addicted to <laughs> all the Bachelor. I'm addicted to me. Oh my gosh! And Vikings. Sorry, like, I just yeah. watched the la- that la- that that. You are not turning. You all are not turning my damn podcast into a Bachelor podcast. We got something for that. It's called Group <laughs> no, Chat. I switched Pop to Vikings. <laughs> I switched Go to Vikings. I swear. About Vikings. The Vi- Vikings. That oh. last episode was insane. It's oh, okay. so crazy. We're on Vikings. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. What Janelle said. Yeah. All right. Oh. We're gonna take a break, but when we come back, <laughs> we are gonna deep dive into talking about what the hell happened with Birds of Prey. Plus, we're gonna talk about the movie itself, and then Matt's gonna break down new comics for us this week. So stay tuned for all of that. All right, so Birds of Prey. Uh, we heard from BD and Ben Kendrick last show. Um, just kind of going around. I think me and Jenna, you, we're the only two who have seen it, actually. I, I've seen it multiple times, I will admit to that, because um, I saw an early screening, and then I was like, I want to see it with a group of like general audience members and kind of experience it that way. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on my well, multiple viewings at this then. point. <laughs> let's start with you, because I went late night, and so it was just kind of like a weird scattering of people. Was it a okay. weird vibe? <laughs> it was a weird vibe. The whole movie oh, seems like a weird vibe. I, I mean, granted... I, I'm coming from a place of being a huge fan of the Birds of Prey. Black Canary is my favorite character in anything ever. And so going to, into this movie, I was very optimistic and very hopeful and literally just following every single update. And I, I it paid off for me. I love the movie. I think that it is definitely, it's finding a audience and it's finding people who are definitely responding to it in a way that other comic book movies might not have. It's just the thing of like that audience is still relatively small. So, which is kind of the problem that you have been talking about before. But like, I just in terms of the movie itself, I think it does a perfect job. I know um, Gail Simone had a whole thread on Twitter about how the beauty of comic characters is that like they're elastic and you can kind of interpret them differently and portray them differently. And as long as you have the core element of them in the center, it still is good to go. And Birds of Prey does that in so many different ways. And so it kind of checked all of those boxes for me. How was the crowd experience? I'm kind of interested to see like when you went and saw it with a general audience. Well, so can we get into spoilers? Yo, yeah, we're, this yeah. is a full okay. spoiler. Okay. Well, so so well let's just say because they like big oh yeah we gotta flash it nice and big yeah, yeah. spoilers yeah. Major, major spoilers spoiler. we're gonna talk spoilers for birds of prey if you don't want to so. hear spoilers for birds of prey you should have been there opening weekend but either way exactly come back in like well, so three I'll, minutes. I'll speak very vaguely then because i don't want to completely no, 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 no. you go full spoilers okay. they've been warned well so when black mask explodes 
into a million pieces. The I want to bottle the visceral reaction that I've seen from every audience that I've been in because like the guy behind me on the Thursday night showing literally just like screamed out loud. Like he was like that death and the way that it's executed is so different from what everyone was expecting. I think people expected like he was going to fall into the water and then like I don't know they'd like put him in jail or whatever or he'd die as he'd hit the water. But the way that the death is shown like every audience I've been in has just been like oh shit this is insane. And so, so it's kind of a thing of just like, I, I, I really liked seeing that response and stuff and people's response to hit, like to Ewan's portrayal as a, like as a whole, because there's kind of a point that people reach with the movie where once they get into the kind of energy that it's presenting it, they really kind of start to embrace it and have fun. Like every showing that I've been in when all of the five birds actually unite together, everyone just like, is in at that point and is very excited. I also got a big from even in a scattered audience late at night uh, that, yeah, Black Mass Death is pretty shocking because <laughs> if you don't know, he goes, uh, he has Cassandra Kane hostage and Harley's the one who meets him out on a pier and they're trying to like, they're doing the whole negotiation thing. But uh, Cassandra Kane says something to the effect of like, I got your ring back. And Harley's like, what are you talking about? And she holds up her hand and it's a grenade pin because like she had gotten a grenade <laughs> and like, Roman Sionis like realizes like oh crap not in those words like it's in yeah. his pocket and so Harley does her like signature running like you know drop kick and drop kicks him off the pier and he goes flying and there's a shot that's like from the water looking up as he comes over the pier and he's like mid-range to the arc and he just blows up and his pieces just go flying <laughs> all over the cross oh, the water. My and God. they look down and they're like whoa and they're just like yeah it's just like pieces of him scattered he all over the He's not coming back. Oh my God. Yeah, there's awesome. no there is no kind of theory could Black Mass return. <laughs> he is not going to Steve yeah, Trevor. In no. Movie. no. He's no, just in the afterlife being very sure mad. to say this is my one and done. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, he gets blown into pieces. And so, wow. like, that was pretty shocking. He was like, whoa, because you weren't expecting it. I mean, the movie's violent and it has, like, curses definitely are. But even so, that was pretty gruesome. The other big moment that got uh, a big reaction from my crowd was the awesome fight sequence where Harley storms a police station yes. to basically get Cassandra Kane Because the way Birds of Prey is structured is Harley starts telling you the story, but it's like in the middle. So she has to keep going back and saying, oh, well, let me tell you about this bird and this bird. And you have to yeah. basically get her. Is it confusing at all? or do Not you at all. It, really. Not at all. Because it's very, it's done in a very fun Harley-ish nice. kind of way. Yeah. So we get to a point in the story and you see something happening. So Harley like walks into this, Police station, this whole sequence starts, and then she's like, oh, wait, like, I got to tell you how we got here. And then you see her, and it's like a whole side story about how she met Dinah Lance, how this had this encounter, then got a foul with, like, Roman Sionis, and then yeah. then he tasks her to get Cassandra Kane for these reasons, and then, like, you begin to fill in more of the gaps of the story. And then it goes back, and there's this huge fight sequence in the police station, and the moment that people were, like, kind of thrilled were, is, like, she takes out one guy by, like, throwing her bat at the ground, and it bounces up and just cracks him in the face, <laughs> and she catches it. That's and, great. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, and yeah, everybody yeah. was like, oh, that's the Chad Stahelski, John yes. Wick moment that people were like, like, oh my god but um yeah i think a lot of people reacted to a lot of the comedy and like kind of liked a lot of the comedy in the movie people really seem to get a lot of reaction out of dinah lant and uh yes. journey colette uh, bell like the most for the scene she had and kind of the stuff she does and, and kind of how badass she is mm -hmm. in the movie um and of course mary of Liz mary elizabeth winstead got a lot of like laughs mm -hmm. for just how like her crazy her huntress is and she has a pretty cool action sequence in the beginning too. So awesome. there were moments that definitely like got the thing and there was humor and there were just 
they're funny little Harley moments in this that like I thought and Margot Robbie like it, it shouldn't be understated does a phenomenal job in this movie like as Harley like she is so into that role so perfectly mm-hmm. that like it's just little things she does like just the look on her face Brandon kind of com- disagreed with me on this point like he said it was kind of slow he liked it when it got to the action the birds teaming up but I actually liked the actual Harley Quinn kind of breakup story I love in the beginning mm-hmm. stories because. You have to understand it's like Harley Quinn breakup story, but in a Gotham, a very much a Gotham Batman setting. Yeah, we have to know what happened. Yeah, we don't see, though, like the underworld. This is like the first real movie in the Gotham. Not Suicide Squad played with that idea, but not really. But this is actually like you watch Harley just going through the Gotham underworld, just, you know, the clubs that she goes to, the parties that she goes to. That's awesome. What kind of social situations there are amongst like – all these criminals and, you know, questionable people, like, who live in Gotham. That's really interesting. And, like, you get some comic references in there, too, of, like, she gets her hyena and she joins a roller derby team. And so you get kind of, like, the moments of Harley that we see her in in the comics, and then you kind of see that being weaved in in the process. That seems very satisfying. And so, like, it's actually, like, very interesting world building, and and how Harley kind of functions in that world is very interesting, and how Margot Robbie plays it. Yeah. It's just like when she comes out of a bar and she's hammered and like tired in his daylight and there's another guy after she's announced that she's broken up with a joker for real and there's this huge dude in the alleyway and you saw that thing in the trailer where she kind of like uh, and like shrugs her shoulders yeah. and like knuckles up and like it's moments like that that are just so great in the movie like and it's because it's real life and especially in a uniquely kind of like female way kind of experience like exactly I had a bad breakup I went out and partied I got too drunk I come out it's daylight now I got this crap to deal with and Margot Robbie perfectly plays that line between like over the top larger than life comic book character but very relatable female problems yeah like grounded female problems really cool balancing that is something I was actually most impressed about because I actually did like the whole Harley story. Does it take away from the Birds of Prey story? Absolutely. But like, it <laughs> but was also, entertaining. The, the, whole, the whole point of this movie was that Margot was like, um, Harley can't be by herself. She needs a group of people to be around her. And so she kind of, and like people had said, like, why didn't you just do a Gotham City Sirens movie when Ivy and Catwoman are much more well known? And she was like, I want to use the clout that I have as Harley to be able to introduce these characters that I found in the comics and that I love, but that wouldn't necessarily get a movie until like five or 10 years after now. And so, like, I I was kind of at the point as a Birds of Prey fan, I kind of knew, like, this was not going to be a standard Birds of Prey movie, but I would still get the little moments of introducing the team and introducing the canon. There's a little, there's a scene with Dinah Lance where Renee talks to her about her mom, and she kind of like it's a little bit of a tease if you know what's coming in the comics and you know that she has the canary cry but if you're a general audience member and you don't know it just sounds like oh her mom helped the police and then got killed somehow in the process but then it it like lays down all of the legacy aspects of Dinah and Dinah Drake and all of just kind of the Black Canary mythos of it. And so from the Black Canary standpoint, I was super happy with like the little way that that was weaved in. I feel like every character was represented in a way that felt accurate to themselves while still being in the context of Harley being the center of the movie. So I have a question. Is it, um, because I have yet to see it, we're going Mm -hmm. next weekend. Awesome. Um, Is because I feel like I ask about Huntress all the time because <laughs> I, I love Huntress. <laughs> uh-huh. But I love Helena Bertinelli mm-hmm. Huntress, and I like the whole mafia yes. ties and stuff like that. Is that stuff yes. laid like, out here? Like yeah, very okay. much. Yeah. It's that version of her. Okay, yeah. cool. Absolutely. Very much so. 
And like the awkwardness um, of her origin story of her being like, oh, I had this traumatic thing happen to me as a little kid and then I was raised to be an assassin. Like the the way that that manifests into her character is really unexpected and really interesting to me. And it's kind of like, yes, this is how Huntress should kind of be portrayed always. But like certain portrayals have kind of leaned into like the femme fatale aspect of it. And it's like, no, she's going to yeah. be awkward. She's never dealt with people before, really. Yeah. Yeah, they Absolutely. do a good job because there's a young version of her in the movie, and they show you how this young version of her could oh, definitely grow up nice. to be yeah. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And her origin is actually the catalyst for the main plot of the movie. Okay. Yeah. Like right. the main plot is getting the Bertinelli diamond, which has this code that yeah, that's what I heard lead to the, the Bertinelli thing. fortune, which would give Roman Sionis the power of that okay. he needs to get away from his family because that's what he is. There's And like Jenna says, there's these sketches of things – of the deep character cuts from the comics that are constantly thrown in, yeah. but not in a way that overpowers the story. Yeah. So Roman's whole thing, when somebody asks him, he's trying to make a deal with like a Chinese gang member, and he's like, and the Chinese gang member's like, dude, you're like a Sionist, why don't you just go to your family? And he like spazzes out because he doesn't want to be mommy and daddy's yeah. boy anymore, and he wants to build his own empire, mm-hmm. and that's the whole thing about it. So he's trying to get the Bertinelli diamond to do that so he can find the fortune and have the money his to own, buy yeah. everybody he needs to buy in the army he needs to build and, and become the most powerful thing so he can basically screw you to his rich parents. Okay. Um, well, and, and throughout the movie, there's all these little Easter eggs of like um, signs for businesses or like security companies or whatever that are his family company. Like it's the Janice, it's like Janice Security yeah. or Janice Realty or whatever. And you just, it's never lingered on. It's not like a thing that the camera actually shows you, but you can totally see it in the background. And it's like, oh yeah, this kind of proves like just how much the Sionis family has kind of taken over Gotham. And so the big thing about the Sionis family, the history of the Bertinelli family and the mob and, Vic, and like the connections is one of the big kind of reveals is that Victor Zaz is one of the people that she's not – Huntress is not actually after Sionis. She's after his henchman Zaz because he was one of the gunmen that gunned down her family. Okay. Oh, and that's so awesome. like at a point where the final thing where he was asked is about to kill Harley and, and Cassandra Kane, like – he just gets a crossbow through the neck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's when it revealed, like, oh, that's who. That's he awesome. Was after. Yeah. Okay, that makes me happy. And so, yeah. So that, I mean, Huntress was great. And, like, I really do hope they introduce Batgirl and then combine them all into, like, with the Birds of Prey. Because, That'd seriously, be awesome. like, this version of, Dian- of Black Canary, Huntress, and Renee Montoya, who has uh, one of the better stories that I liked in the movie, um, that is a great way to do kind of. To address something like in workplace inequality between the genders is is her story, and it's never heavy, like heavy handed or over the top or this is a social issue. It's just like a real hard boiled kind of story about a female cop yeah. who got screwed over by her department and is trying to take down Sionis and nobody wants to help her because there's like you know people are bought and like, does she ever become the question? No, not in this. No, this okay. one's just about they don't go that deep. Like okay, it's limited screen time, so this yeah. is just about. Literally, the birds of prey figuring out to come together and be like, Harley, get the hell. Like, okay. you know, without Harley. So do you think that it will live on after the box office opening weekend? Do you think there will be more? I think, ahead? and this is what I want to get to, and we'll shift the conversation. Because I want to talk about how this movie was marketed. Um, as we speak, Warner Brothers has gone back to the mat to change the name of the movie <laughs> Um, to Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey. That makes way more sense. Yeah. And then why was it not that to begin with? Well, I actually, there's two trains of thoughts. People have said and argued, and I think, Jenna, you wrote an excellent article about why this is like a good thing for the name change and we'll let you state your point. Um, my thing is, at this point, me and Jim were kind of arguing about this yesterday, but yes, at this point, you have to make that name change 
my thing was the name was fine in the beginning, like I mean, your little funny emancipation of someone, you know, all that. I think the movie wasn't marketed correctly because as we were breaking down the office today, okay, so you have Birds of Prey. This is a woman, this is a movie that has, as its major stars, you know, Margot Robbie, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, but also a kind of up-and-coming black actress that's a breakout star playing, you know, Journey, uh, Smollett, Belle. You have one of the most iconic Hispanic actresses of all time, Rosie Perez. You have a young Asian actress who's playing Cassandra Cain. Uh, what's her name? Ella J. Bosco. Uh, Ella J. Bosco. This movie is written by a writer, a female writer, who's part English, part Taiwanese. It's directed by an Asian director, female director, and, like, none of this stuff is highlighted in the marketing. Wow. Yeah, I would never know and any like, of it. This is a well, movie that you could have actresses. applied literally to, like, a worldwide demographic yeah. base of people to say, and even older ones. Like, people would have shown up. There are people who are insanely loyal to somebody like Rosie Perez. And if you say, hey, Rosie Perez is this awesome big new superhero movie, like, people would have shown up that maybe didn't give this movie yeah. a second look. If you say, hey, even it's Journey Smollett-Bell. Uh, you know, even if you use the controversy of her brother or other things or just to say, hey, let's highlight her. This She gives a really fantastic performance and you haven't met her before and here's in this movie and people will be like, oh, you know, there's certain sectors that be like, oh, they got a black, you know, black canary. That's, let's go check that out. To the Asian community, like, hey, yeah. look what we've put into this movie to give, you know, we need more storytellers from your community, more actresses, like, here you go. Like, here's a whole movie. And get people behind this movie as opposed to the way it was marketed to just through Margot Robbie and the Harley Quinn character, which you do need to lock down your core comic book audience. That is the selling point. But like on a larger, much wider global scale, you had all the ingredients to really kind of make this not just, hey, this is a girl power movie, but like here's diversity in femininity. Like here's a bunch of different women from a bunch of different backgrounds coming together to make this awesome movie. Like let's make that a thing. Like and there's a way to have done that with that's not exploitative, but just kind of highlighting as opposed to the way they marketed it, which is you don't know like who's in this, like mm -hmm. and who they're playing and like Absolutely. what who these other characters were so much because I mean, the marketing really lent leaned into any of that. Yeah, I mean if I were I mean I'm and, and like Jenna, I'm a big Birth of Prey fan, but which is part of the reason why I was probably a little off-put by the initial thing of making Harley the center point, because I am a Batgirl stan, so, like, I get that, right? But but also, like, I, it totally made sense. I got it. And for the – I love the reasoning of, of uh, Robbie of wanting to highlight other lesser-known – I mean, let's be honest, like, some of my favorite characters, like, D-list people, right? So it's nice to see, like, somebody raise them up and, like, give yeah. them some shine. But I agree that – if someone who is not like the end all be all is Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, I if if I didn't know those characters, I would look at those trailers and go, oh, it's a Harley movie. There's nothing else like they they give no one else other than you and McGregor mm -hmm. who doesn't need the shine. <laughs> they give everybody else the other three main leads who are all women almost zero trailer time, zero yeah, TV I spot I doubt a time. normal person, because the only time they even mention their names are in that big spread when Harley's walking yeah. away with the fireworks. And I doubt even like 90% of average audiences could match the names to the actual people no. in the movie. I mean, I will say for marketing purposes, I don't have, I don't even have cable. All I do is streaming, um, all of them, all of the streaming services and uh, YouTube and Twitch. And I 
saw nothing ever at all about this movie unless I was here talking to you guys about it. (laughs) I did not. And it's a huge base. I mean, even like Twitch, it's not properly like streaming sites like Mixer, Twitch, things like that, YouTube. It's not accessed enough because we're all the nerds that like love this stuff and it's not being shown to us. It's being shown to people watching Dancing with the Stars and it's like none of those people are going to go watch this. Yeah, there's a little bit of disconnect there. (laughs) I mean, it's it's in your audience a little bit. I do think there's like definitely when you look at like the box office of Suicide squad even though that movie has its problems it's like it made bank in a way that general audiences would look at someone like harley and be like oh i recognize her but like like i remember asking my mother-in-law and she was like oh it's that suicide squad sequel like because that was how she interpreted the trailers and so i even like for me what i like what i wrote last night with the title change was that the the way that the tv spots were already being constructed was that yeah it would give you a lot of footage that you couldn't really parse but then at the very end it would say like harley quinn in and then it would say birds of prey and the whole title card and so the fact that they changed the title which was only really on movie theater websites and on various like internal things for movie theaters it's not like they're going to go into the movie and like edit the movie from my understanding yeah. to put in this new title card okay. but no, they actually released an explanation today that it's just for seo and exactly searches. yeah and and yeah. like because oh, my okay. thinking is if you're if you're somebody who may maybe goes to see like a handful of movies a year and who isn't like constantly inundated with nerd culture and comic book culture then if you see a tv spot and you're like oh that's the harley quinn movie and you google harley quinn movie you might not necessarily get the response that you're th- that they want you to get. And so I think the title change it like it kind of got blown up into a thing that was confusing and people weren't really sure about, but I think it, if it improves the SEO and it helps more people understand what they're wanting to see and go see it, then I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. Agreed, cuz I want a sequel. Exactly. Yeah. Like I want this world to continue. I want to see that Gotham City But now Sirens I feel guilty movie. for not seeing it opening weekend. I'm well, like, I should have been one of those. Yeah, it I doesn't know. matter. You go I should have been one of those people seeing it because I was really excited about it. And I still am very excited about it. I also Twitch think, community I think let it's going to get a bump on Valentine's Day, really. Like, I think, like, yeah. I saw a TV spot last night during The Bachelor of kind of like hyping it up mm-hmm. as the kind of anti Valentine's Day movie. It was like, are you single Ooh. and sad on Valentine's Day? Go see this movie. And it, and it like good. had that with the mix of like more of the action sequences because my, my boyfriend runs a comic book store and I've, he's, already sold at least like a dozen or so different customers on the fact of like hey do you like John Wick because this is basically John Wick levels of action sequences and like people didn't necessarily get that from the trailers but now that they've heard that through word of mouth they're more willing to go see it and so I think the marketing now that it's been released is more willing to kind of lean into like the action aspect of it too I hope so yeah yeah, Yeah. I'm gonna see it I'm excited yeah same I mean, I liked Birds of Prey, so I'm, I'll be happy to see it yeah. again. And I, and I absolutely, I've said it since the beginning, I want, I want my Gotham City Sirens, I want my Batgirl movie, and I want my si- uh, Birds vs. Sirens kind of finale. I want to yeah. keep Christina Hudson employed yes. for like seven years. <laughs> <laughs> I want her to make all those movies. So, yes. All right. Well, that'll do it for our discussion of Birds of Prey. More of you should probably go out and see the film so you know what we're talking about. And uh, we'll be keeping an eye on those second week numbers. All right, Matt, to close out the show today, what comics should we be buying this week? Well, so to lead off the bat real quick, we have a little bit of uh, breaking news. So uh, I know some I know some people in the office have heard me uh, try and explain uh, DC Metal, which was an event that came out and was like ridiculous, over-the-top, balls-to-the-wall, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, and I loved it, uh, and it 
sold like a ton of copies. So it should be no surprise that the last over the last couple of days they've been teasing uh, that the encore is coming and things like that. So uh, today they finally announced that Dark Knight's Death Metal, awesome, right? Great name, uh, is coming. Uh, the setup is actually pretty. Uh, pretty interesting. It's actually spinning out. If you've, we've talked about it on the show a couple times. Justice League has been doing this like huge buildup with Perpetua and like uh, Dark Multiverse is still kind of coming, and that's what DC Metal dealt with. They stopped it for a time. This event sees the Dark Multiverse succeed and take over. Uh, Superman is like exiled to actually power the sun for like eternity, right? So he's gone. Uh, Wonder Woman and some other people have formed like are trying to kind of take the political way of of um, negotiating peace, so to speak, with this ancient god uh, that is kind of in this hellscape while Batman and a bunch of his people are, like, starting an underground to try and take the world back. So it's this huge, ridiculous, big thing. Uh, one of the images they teased was uh, Superman with, like, this weird doomsday arm on one side and like long hair again, which what? like, oh, yeah, like it's, it's crazy. Right. Uh, and their last, uh, project, which was last night on earth was equally insane with like a Joker in a jar and he became Robin. And that was actually, I really dug that series. Yeah, too. I did too. That was crazy. Yeah. I actually recently read that finally based on your recommendations. It was it fun. Wow. It was fun. It was ridiculous. Well, you still and fun. have this job. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so their new thing, death metal is coming out later this year, but I'm pretty excited for that. Uh, but, and then launching into regular comics, we got a ton. Uh, so I'll try and roll through these. Um, alienated. Number one is a new series from boom studios. Uh, essentially the premise is that three, teens find discover an alien at its birth and it becomes like essentially like et think et but they find et and et is incredibly powerful and he was just born and so it's these teens that like okay we've lucked into this like incredibly powerful entity what do we do with it so some one teen like is gonna do stuff like oh i can influence the lottery or i can if like you have these people now dealing with morality at a very teen age and having immense power at their fingertips. So wow. that's why this right. Uh, <laughs> uh, Hellmouth number five continues the Buffy Angel event that won't end. <laughs> I feel like I've been talking about this for like two years. Uh, Go-Go Power Rangers. want it to end? That's a it's good question. Good. Okay. It's good. It's just really long, and it's like it's got its own series, plus it's an angel and Buffy. So literally you get hit three times a month with it, and so it's just like, okay, like it's really, we're only on issue five. I think it's like an eight-issue series. Oh so anyway. Go-Go uh, Power Rangers number 29, the March to the final issue, number 32. This was a very good issue, uh, so definitely check that out. Batman Pennyworth, R.I.P. number one. Uh, this was, if you, me and Kofi had talked about on the show before, the Tom King run of Batman. If you have been keeping up with that, you will definitely want to check this out. Um, this occurs, just FYI, I won't go into, like, spoiler spoilers uh, for this, but this does occur before... Uh, Nightwing becomes Nightwing again, so it's still Rick Grayson, which I hated that concept at the beginning. They've, they've somehow sort of won me over. Uh, he's still Rick Grayson here, but I will say it is it definitely hits you in the feels. Uh, this uh, You will actually probably feel a little bad for Bruce Wayne because he just gets hit by a lot of stuff, but it's all like there's no action. It is all straight up like family right. dysfunction. Wow. And it's really interesting. Uh, to me, that's like when Batman is sometimes at his best. Uh, Catwoman number 20, uh, Green Lantern season two number one comes back. Uh, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy number six, which is the finale of that arc, which has been pretty fun. I've, I've enjoyed that arc. Um, and then we have Wonder Woman number 751. Uh, if you've been following the middle grade uh, in DC, they used to be called DC Inc. books, but middle grade books, uh, Zatanna and the House of Secrets. I've loved all, almost 
almost all of these books. Uh, Green Lantern Legacy was also really good that recently came out. So definitely check that out. Uh, moving on to non-DC, uh, Dungeons and Dragons Infernal Tides, number two. Space Bandits, which is a Mark Millar book that uh, from Image, really fun, actually. Just just fun, like popcorn. Uh, it's got gorgeous artwork. Uh, we would have reviewed it more if we had gotten review copies. <laughs> but uh, but really good, nonetheless. Um, we also have Dawn of X, trade paperback volume one. So with Dawn of X, they are doing essentially collecting each issue of like the entire wave in one trade. So like this is Marauders number one, Excalibur number one. X-Force number one. So it's all the number ones. Oh, my And they're doing God. it by month. So that is how they're collecting <laughs> I love these, these books. They're not collecting them as, like, marauders. Kofi, you want to throw anything else in there? Well, they're also <laughs> collecting them as individual series, but you do have to wait, like, yes. a lot longer. Yeah, it's going to be a while. Hey, do you want a good mix of great and suck? <laughs> they want you to double dip. Thing for you. They want you to double dip. Uh, you we also a book that you skip <laughs> 10 page, 30 pages, then read another 30. Uh, and, you know, honestly, you'll just skip Excalibur. So it's fine. <laughs> uh, we also fallen angels, too. Uh, oh, yeah, I know. Uh, I had the great hope for that. Uh, Gwen Stacy, number one. Uh, we also have Hawkeye Freefall, number three. Uh, Life of Captain Marvel uh, is collected in a hardcover, which I really dug that series. And if you're looking for a redone origin of her, it streamlined a lot of stuff. And so that's very good. Uh, Marvel's X, number two. Nebula, number one, which is a brand new miniseries. Uh, Star Wars, Rise of Kylo Ren, Kofi's favorite book. Ooh, uh, number yeah, three that. hits. Uh, Thor, number three. Venom, number 23. Bloodshot, number six. And finally, uh, Dr. Mirage, volume one. I don't know if anyone else reads Valiant. I tend to love the more supernatural side of stuff. And uh, Dr. Mirage is actually really fun. It's a cool character. It's essentially like a psychiatrist that sees her dead husband and he helps her on stage. It's like it's like if you think Murder, She Wrote, but with like the dead spouse hanging around and no one else can see the spouse. Sounds like even in death, this dude's trying to explain some and mysteries. Yes, I did just drop a Murder, She Wrote reference on here. And you're welcome. I love it. You don't need to do dance. You're welcome. Mystery to me. You're welcome. <laughs> but that's comics. If you were so good at mysteries, why aren't you alive? Wow, that's cold. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Marriage is a scorecard now. Oh, jeez. All right, so that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank Jenna for uh, stepping in and lending that DC expertise to this whole birds of prey situation. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you. If you guys are just now getting into Season 2 of Comic Book Nation, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and every Friday on comicbook.com, where you can go and subscribe to our RSS feed and get new episodes at the show of the show on the regular. Or you can subscribe on your favorite listening platform. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists. Uh, you can also go to comicbook.com YouTube and see videos of the show uh, once they're done and up. If you want to continue the discussion about anything we've talked about, hit us up at the hashtag Comic Book Nation, or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. And you can find me at Janelle Wheeler on all the socials and Twitch. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. Uh, Jenna, we have, oh, we have you on our window right yeah. above your head there. It at, says, hey, hey, it's Jenna Lynn for yeah. everything. So, yeah, we got a nice little box. We always promote our uh, remote guests more so than ourselves, <laughs> which is how it should be, <laughs> which is definitely how it should be, considering the talent pool. Uh. Well, anyway, that'll do it on a somber note for this episode of uh, Comic Book Nation. We're going to get out of here now. Later. Deuces.